Friday afternoon, KPFK, Los Angeles on your radio, 90.7 FM, all over Southern California. Also out of Santa Barbara County at 98.7 FM and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Hi, hello, howdy. Michael Benner with Intervision out till 2 o'clock this afternoon. What a pleasure to be with you. And, you know, I was just sitting here in, in, in the studio thinking about the fact that that's really true. That's not just a line I say. You know, hosts always say, ah, we got a great show for you today. Well, every day they have a great show for you and love being here. Well, you know what? It's true. It's true. It's just such an honor and a privilege to be here and uh, to get to drive the boat, so to speak, you know, or run the school bus. But it always feels like a group effort and... Uh, so I guess I'm just uh, feeling really privileged to be a part of KPFK and its uh, its mission. Such great people here at the radio station and wonderful programming. Well, I just hope you can stick around after the news or if you just happen to be tuning in or spinning your way up or down the dial, stick around. Intervision is a program about spirituality and health, a show... Uh, well, I usually describe it as a program about metaphysics and mysticism, a program about consciousness, but then people say, well, what does that mean? I woke up this morning. I'm conscious. Are you? Consciousness, like love and so many other things, is a, a relative concept. It's a matter of degree. And I know there are days that I'm less conscious and other days I'm more conscious. And uh, sometimes we have guests. We had three wonderful guests last week, as we talked about, an attempt to create a parliament of world religions. Some people think that's a great idea. Other people go, oh, no, <laughs> religion, that's the problem. What are you talking about? But three very affable, friendly people last week and uh, from three very different approaches to spirituality, talking about coming together, working it all out. And then, of course, we have a police riot right here in Los Angeles. I want to talk a little about that, but first I want to introduce the program today. We're going to do, as we often do, a open phones kind of a program. And 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about the theme, and then I want to talk a little about the uh, police riot this week, because cops are people too. It's a funny way to enter it, isn't it? Uh, a very distressing uh, situation. And radio, talk radio, especially commercial talk radio, uh, plays a big role in it all. I want to talk briefly about that, do a very brief commentary on, uh, what shall I say, community relations. And then we'll go to this uh, larger theme for the day today, which I've decided I want to talk about loneliness. I want to do a program today about being lonely. Maybe even a little bit about solitude, because solitude is very different from loneliness. Solitude is something few people know anything about. Remember that that old Star Trek program? I mean, the original Star Trek with Kirk and and, uh, Scotty and uh, Spock, you know that one. And there was one in one episode in particular where they're on this planet where people are so crowded, so jammed in together that they're literally shoulder to shoulder. Uh, most of us have never really been alone. And yet often we know how it feels to be lonely. And the subtitle today is going to be respecting our need for each other and finding a balanced need for each other. Sometimes they say, well, we shouldn't need each other. It's okay to want another person's love and trust and respect. But when we go beyond the wanting to needing, well, sometimes we're in trouble, then we go too far. So it's a balance that we're looking for, integrating, finding an appropriate degree of need, but then respecting that personally and socially, uh, There is a need for companionship. We are social creatures. And uh, loneliness is a symptom that somehow we've created some disconnect, even if we're in the middle of a crowd, even if we are jammed in, packed in, shoulder to shoulder. You may never know solitude if you're not a backpacker or a sailor or make some deliberate conscious attempt to get away from it all. And I mean really get away from it all. I don't mean in a Winnebago where you take everything with you and call it getting away from, <laughs> getting away from it all. Loneliness and solitude. That's going to be our stated theme for the day. And of course, we'll take your telephone calls a little bit later in the program. So listen up. We're all experts at loneliness, I think. And we'll talk about what it is, what it is a symptom of and what to do about it from a spiritual point of view. And, uh, I think you'll find some value. Hopefully you'll find some great value in the program, so stay with us for that. And I'll, I'll begin my part of that in just a moment. But I I feel a strong need to, uh, especially as a white guy, uh, apologize to our uh, Hispanic neighbors for uh, the police riot, even though I'm not a policeman. In fact, I... I, I guess what I want to say is is that, besides just the apology, is that uh, there is only one race. There are many cultures, many ethnicities, uh, 
and a beautiful degree of diversity among human beings. And yet there's only one race, and both things are true. I was a guest on a radio program last week out of Chicago, a black-owned radio station um, programming to the black community in Chicago. And uh, we got into this whole idea of balance between the merits of integration and the merits of, in a sense, becoming colorblind to these arbitrary differences, but at the same time honoring that the black experience is not the Hispanic experience, which is not the experience of the Irish in coming to this country or Jews in coming to this country or anybody else. And that both things are true and that, yeah, I really think it is fundamentally a spiritual or at the very least a philosophical challenge for us to find the balance point between the one and the many, between unity and diversity, between one race and many beautiful cultures that enrich us and make us stronger. But when we see diversity overlooked, when we see the beauty of these differences separated deliberately and consciously by purveyors of hatred and fear. Now, this is where the talk radio part comes in. I become very distressed. I feel this way about the Bloods and the Crips. And I say, just because you got a red rag and, dude, you got a blue rag, do you really think you're opposites? And who's giving you those guns? And, 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 and where do you think those drugs are coming from? And who wants you to believe that somehow you're opposites and the blood's got to waste the crypts and vice versa when, when you're all part of the same thing? Who stands to gain from this warfare? And so I ask you, who stands to gain from largely white police and I think fundamentally that's the problem, that police don't represent the community that they police. I saw this in Detroit. I lived for five years in Detroit, where, you know, white cops would live in the suburb and then come into the city every morning like an occupying force and police a city that they didn't live in, that had a very different ethnic mix, and then retreat to the suburbs when the sun started to go down unless you work the graveyard shift, of course. I am very distressed at the role that hate radio is playing in all of this, and my appeal is not only to white policemen and the white community that is afraid of immigration when we are, in fact, all immigrants, a nation of immigrants, and we'll have to say for another program the genocide of the indigenous peoples that lived here, and come on, this is not a liberal political position. This is history. Let's just get real about it. And uh, this is Mexico. Uh, did you see the feature on PBS this week about the Mormons? It was, it was uh, again, that's another show. Uh, <laughs> one of the reasons they ended up in Utah was that what we now call Utah was Mexico. They, they went to Mexico, Salt Lake City, Mexico. What's that line in the Bobby Kennedy movie? We didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. But there's just one planet, zoom out. 
get a bigger picture of what's going on here. And whatever your ethnicity and, and whatever your position on open borders or closed borders, illegal immigration, undocumented workers, uh, yada, 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 uh, stop the hate, stop the violence. And I, I was not in MacArthur Park, but it sure looks like a police riot to me. I remember Chicago in 68, that was a police riot. As a reporter, a working reporter back in the day, I've been roughed up. And uh, this is just an appeal for calm, for dignity, for not only mutual respect, but mutual respect born of self-respect. Don't let this city get ripped apart over ethnicity, over differences that are at once arbitrary and yet very real. You see what I'm saying? We're back to that paradox of the one and the many. And finding the balance point in the middle. Honoring the experience of being a Hispanic person in the southwestern United States in the 21st century. Maybe being impoverished, and maybe that poverty being connected to your ethnicity. You see? And honoring that experience, as black people must honor their experience, as black people brought to this country in chains and owned as chattel. That experience has to be honored, it has to be remembered, just as Jews are not about to let you forget the Holocaust. But what does that have to do with the way they treat Palestinians? We've got to get off this either-or thing. It's a function of fear and anxiety. I'm going to continue to hit it, because what could be more fundamental than the way in which fear divides us against ourselves? So... Uh, it's a big day in Los Angeles. I hope that uh, that uh, calm hearts and cool minds prevail as this investigation of what happened downtown uh, continues. And to those purveyors of hate radio, some of whom I know are listening, stop it. I know it's good for ratings, but stop it. That includes Lou Dobbs and other people who build a career on fear and hatred and setting human beings against each other. Or you're an American if you're a, a North American, but you're not an American if you're a Central American or a South American, and even that word America needs to be revisited. So much for that. That's just a brief little commentary. Just felt a need to say something about it. Time for, again, calm hearts and quiet minds, I think. All right, let's find that balance point between unity and diversity, honoring that we are one people, and yet we're richer by our diversity. All right, so let's get to the topic of the day today, loneliness. Oh, loneliness and solitude, you know. I was a car camper as a young guy. I grew up in Michigan, and when I came west, I wanted to car camp all over <laughs> California. So my first trip up into the Sierras was with my little car camping tent and my little Coleman stove. And, you know, beautiful campgrounds up there. But increasingly, I wanted to know what was over that hill. And uh, in those days... In the 70s and the 80s, I tended to work weekends in radio, and I had days off during the week, and so I didn't have a lot of people to 
go backpacking with. I ended up doing a lot of backpacking alone. And uh, I found out a little bit about loneliness and solitude that I want to share with you at the top of uh, today's show. And then we'll, as I said a few moments ago, go to the telephones in a few minutes and talk more about respecting our need for companionship, our need for each other, um, a quality of love that uh, brings about loneliness. And so I discovered solitude. Wow, it's pretty incredible. And I would ask you right now to think about if you've ever been alone. Not if you've been lonely. I know you've been lonely. Everybody knows loneliness. But do you know anything about solitude? I mean, have you ever really been alone? Have you ever really, really gone two, three, four, five days or more without seeing another person? I think most people that would say yes are talking about maybe you're locked in the house, maybe you're sick, you know, and and not going out, or the phone doesn't work or something. I'm talking about being 30 or 40 miles away from the nearest individual, 30, 40, 50 miles away from the nearest road, and not seeing anybody. And it's exquisite. It really is. You can do whatever you want. If you want to sit down, you sit down. You don't have to put it to a vote. You see a tree over there in the middle of a meadow that that uh, looks like somebody should be sitting under it reading a book, and you decide that's you. You go over and sit under the tree and read a book. And you don't have to put it up for a vote. If you change your mind and want to go off a spur trail and climb up to some high mountain lake or cirque, you get to do it. But I gotta tell you, it brings with it some loneliness at the same time. Especially when beautiful things happen, or really cool things happen that we want to share with other people. Walking down the trail once, I was about, uh, must have been eight or, or ten thousand feet up into the Sierras, and I came around uh, a little corner, a little big bunch of bushes, and I came around the corner and I startled this porcupine. And it was walking right down the middle of the trail and I was walking in the opposite direction and we just looked at each other for about a half a second. And he was as surprised to see me as I was to see it. And of course it scurried off in the bushes, but the first thing I did was unconsciously as if I was with somebody, turned to say, did you see that? Did you see the porcupine? Wasn't that cool? And, of course, nobody was there. And I felt somewhat at a loss because, or a sunset, you know, or a deer comes into camp at night, and and you want to share that experience with somebody else, and they're not there. It's like, they go hand in hand. You can't have solitude without a little bit of loneliness. But we sure can't have loneliness without appreciating the, uh, appreciating the benefits of solitude. So, oddly, most of us have very little or no experience with real solitude. But, boy, we sure do know that ache of just being lonely. You could be, again, uh, in, a, in, a, in a place where there's lots of folks around you at work or at school, in a, you know, a restaurant or a house party. 
and still feel this loneliness. What's it really about? What can we do about it? I'm not going to give you the answers because I'm not sure I have any answers. I have a lot of thoughts around it. I have even more feelings around it. I know the more I talk about my feelings, the more I understand them, and the uh, more likely they are to be lifted from a feeling that hurts to something that really sets me free. And again, I want to take some telephone calls, so Brooks is our producer. We'll go to the phones in a few minutes, but if you'd like to talk about loneliness, and I think the phones are going to ring on this one, whether you're lonely now or not, if you have questions or if you have comments, give us a call, 818-985-5735. One of the great things about KPFK and especially InterVision, I think, is the quality of the listening audience and the callers, so a lot of radio talk shows can't do this anymore, but I like to do it whenever we can, 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. For your questions and comments about the nature of loneliness and honoring what I'm calling our need for companionship, honoring that personally and socially we are people who need each other, and to respect that need and even explore that that need that we have for each other. And as, as, as exquisite as periods of solitude can really be, that uh, it's not our natural condition. Our, our natural condition is to be with people. Now, some people don't do well with other people. Some Some folks like to be alone. You go to remote areas of the country where few people live, and you'll find people that are, oh, often they're called misfits. I don't know if I like the word social misfits, anti-social people. I, I think those are not people generally that dislike others. I think to a large extent those are people who distrust others. They've had some bad experiences, or they're just tired of trying to live up to other people's expectations and beliefs. And that's not such a bad thing. We hear about the benefits of being a hermit, being cloistered, being the monk or the priest or the nun uh, that that goes away. Indeed, the many great prophets and avatars have headed for the hills. I think of... Uh, well, just Christ and Buddha, for example, they were constantly getting out of Dodge, right? Christ going to the desert, I mean, what's he leaving? A, a dusty little city of 2,000 people, maybe. And he's feeling like, I got to get away. I got to get out of here. I, I got to get some space, you know. I'm going out to the desert for a while. Well, no wonder we feel that same need to get out of Dodge from, from time to time. But we never really get that far away, and if we do, we hurry back. We really, really need each other. I mentioned the Mormons in that PBS documentary this week. Uh, one of the symbols that Mormonism uses a lot in the state of Utah is the beehive. Indeed, if you've ever driven through the state of Utah, you see all these highway signs that have the beehive, like that's the symbol for the I don't know if it's the official state symbol or seal, but 
like many other things that uh, Joseph Smith made up, the beehive he got from, uh, he didn't really make it up, he got it from Freemasonry that got it from Rosicrucianism. The beehive is an old uh, mystical symbol for, some would say, industry. But I would say just for um, the community that bees represent, the need to work together as a team and to be part of something bigger. That seems to be really hard for human beings to do. Like Nancy Pelosi goes to talk to the Syrians, that's a bad thing. But Condi Rice goes to talk to the Syrians, that's a good thing. So it's not, <laughs> it's not the talking to the enemy that seems to be the problem. And why are they an enemy, of course? I think humanity's on the verge of something really great, on the verge of something really big. But our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with each other, of course, is at the, the heart and soul of all of this. Why do we feel loneliness in the first place? What is this ache? What is this need that it, that at once we want to, you know, get away from it all, but at the same time, not too far, not for too long, I really need other people. Well, spiritually, this can be discussed certainly as the great separation, but it doesn't occur to most religious people because the Catholics and the Protestants, um, I think to a large extent Jews and certainly Muslims, have a sense of the self as being separated from what they call God, what religious people call God or the source, the supreme being, the creator, the absolute, is other than. It's separate and remote. God lives way out there. And anybody that sees the God or the goddess in all things, like in the rose or the clouds or the sunset or the trees or each other, in your puppies and your kittens and your children in all things, well, they're the pagans. you got to kill them. Those are those crazy pagans. They think God is in the snail. Well, of course. If you go create something today, a drawing, a painting, a song, a dance, some part of you will be in it. A creator cannot create a creation and populate it with creatures and not be in it. But the dilemma goes even further with the idea of this separated source. Because part of the reason that religious people think, especially in these monotheistic religions of the West, that they think God is separate and remote and other than, not you, but other than, is this idea of a soul fashioned upon conception, as opposed to the great mystical teachings. And I'm not saying which one's right. Each of you will have to decide. Each of us decides for ourselves, but... Again, in religion, there's not too much individual thought going on. Not too many religious people know that many of the fathers of the Christian church believed in the preexistence of the soul and were posthumously found guilty of heresy. And they would have been executed, except they were already dead hundreds of years ago. The preexistence of the soul, that the soul already exists, that's your nexus, don't you see? That's the connection to the one and the many. It's through the soul and divine love and the 
the spiritual traditions of shamanism and, yeah, for that matter, paganism, the Eastern philosophies of yoga, Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism even to some extent, but missing in these monotheistic religions, uh, the, the tradition of Moses and the Jews, the, uh, the Christians, uh, Catholic and Protestant, and of course the Muslims, is that the soul is for the most part um, fashioned upon conception and tucked inside, and then there's this great quest for the soul to get to heaven. Well, what if it's already there? What if it's already there? Then you are not separated from your soul. You are an extension of it. And that soul, as Plato said, shares the ground of God, of the one life. And you are not other than or separated from it. Now you've got this magical middle, this heart and soul between unity and diversity, between spirit and matter, between the one and the many. And to know that soul and to understand that middle third element is to have a place to go when you're lonely. In other words, lonely would be an illusion. Loneliness is a delusion. It's a real feeling. My God, it certainly is real enough. It's hard for me to imagine anybody that doesn't know loneliness. If somebody says, well, I, I, I never feel lonely... I think they're either lying or in denial. I'm, 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 I'm thinking that just as everybody feels love and its ebb and flow, it's really no ebb and flow, but it's like the sun is always shining, but we have clouds that make it seem like there could be a ebb and flow of sunlight. Love is the same way. It doesn't really ebb and flow, but our experience of it does. And in the same way, we have an ebb and a flow, if you will, of, of the shadow side, of the feeling of being very separated. I think that's what loneliness is, the illusion that you're separated, the illusion that you're all alone, that you're alienated and isolated, alienated. See, now I'm right back to the MacArthur Park thing, aren't I? Aliens. <laughs> you know, our Constitution talks about inalienable or unalienable. I think both words actually are correct. That, that our rights as human beings, regardless of skin color or status or level of prosperity, that we have certain rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and that those cannot be separated or alienated from us, that they are part of our existence as an emanation or reflection of our spiritual source. So here we live in a country that has a separation of church and state, but even the state part is built on the idea that our rights are not bestowed by government. And I'm sorry to challenge the idea that the military is fighting for our rights to defend our rights, their unalienable rights. You can play with that a little bit, I guess. But the idea that I don't think, and this audience is probably an exception, but generally I don't think people at large understand that the Founding moms and dads of this country, though they believe strongly in freedom 
from religion as well as freedom of religion, and they wanted a separation of church and state, but nevertheless knew that our rights in overthrowing monarchy and creating some kind of representative government that allows us to be free, that that's inalienable. We cannot be alienated or separated from those rights, nor from each other, really, in spite of the appearance of things. But there is that fear, there is that confusion, there is that delusion that causes us from time to time to feel as if we are separated, even if we're in a room surrounded by other people. That loneliness comes in. So I'm hinting at what we can do about it, but we're just at the halfway point. And I want to hear from you at this point. Again, already got a nice nice phone response. So let me give the number one more time, then we'll go to the phones on the other side of the break, see what you all think about this topic, something we all have lots of experience with. Loneliness, the need for companionship. And to respect that need we have for each other. For love, yeah, for passion, but just companionship. Somebody to talk to, somebody to listen to us babble. And uh, somebody to do the babbling, too. 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. Give us a call. We'll do more till 2 this afternoon on today's topic of loneliness right after this. Michael Benner on KPFK. This is Intervision. KPFK and your radio, 90.7 FM all over Southern California. Aren't we glad we're in Southern California? Out of Santa Barbara County, 98.7 FM, streaming for the whole planet at kpfk.org. Nice to be with you. We're uh, just beginning the second half of today's program, Intervision till 2 today. My name is Michael Benner. And we're about to go to the telephones. We're talking about loneliness. We've touched a little on solitude. Most people having very little experience, I'm arguing, with solitude, which is not such a bad thing, sort of cool. But uh, all of us know the ache. And in fact, I think we could even describe loneliness as a subset of depression, a particular kind of depression. Because I, I, I think it's possible, possible to be depressed and even deeply depressed and not feel lonely. But I think if we feel lonely, there's always some degree of depression that goes with it. And again, what an irony. There's people everywhere. There's there's six billion people on this planet. So what's it about? Let's find out. Let's go to the telephones. We'll start in the South Bay with Helga. You're on KPFK on Intervision with Michael Bennett. Hi, Helga. Yes, Mr. Bennett. Uh, my name is Helga. Uh, I've been isolated for many, many years by an over-the-counter, uh, quote, um, food supplement. I'm absolutely sorry that I have to disclose this on public radio. I have not, since 1988, been given any kind of an opportunity to make the public disclosures as to what it means to be isolated by the system in this beautiful country, and uh, I cannot uh, comprehend 
the crimes that's been committed against Americans by uh, a, a transmissible disease that has not been able to get any kind of a disclosure, would you please, on your own terms, call me back on a more private condition? Well, uh, first of all, I I'm not sure where... I have a companion, being that this is a transmissible disease. Okay, listen to me. over the Helga. counter Helga. since 1982. Helga, you got to listen to me, girl. Okay? Yes, dear. Okay. We're talking about a feeling of loneliness. Are you telling me? I'm not me? lonely. Well, that's I our topic have... today. That's our topic. I'm not lonely because I can still have a few plans. Well, why are you calling about loneliness if you're not lonely? That's our topic. Uh, I can call you back. You also are... I can call you back. Have yes, my producer? Would you please do that? Yeah, sir? yeah, but I'd rather do that actually. And I'll see if I. Yeah, can I would too. Please. Okay, I'll be happy to do that. Thank you. And Brooks, if you'll, when you get a chance, put Helga on hold and find out what's going on for her. We'll see if we can help. But that's our topic, loneliness. Um, is it possible to have a, a disease that has, as a symptom, a feeling of loneliness? Or, Yeah, I suppose, certainly. Let's try, uh, let's see who else we got. In uh, Hacienda Heights. And uh, I'm sorry, is it uh, Erica? Erwin? I can't read this. I'm sorry. Eric, Eric in Hacienda Heights. You're on KPFK. Hi. Hi, Mr. Brenner. How are you doing today? Better and better, Eric. Not lonely at all, but we're talking about <laughs> That's not what we're talking it's about. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I listen to your show all the time. You've given me a lot of insights on just on life and all the good things, raising four children. Um, I used to be lonely when I was a kid. Um, I grew up as a single with a single parent. Um, I got remarried, and, you know, you go through those issues with, stepbrothers and sisters. I was very lonely as a kid, but I kind of I used that loneliness and that solitude to grow. How'd you and do now, that? Tell me how you did that. Um, just, I don't know. I guess I was, I guess I was meditation and thinking about my thoughts. My father died when I was young. Um, he really was kind of like you. He was, he was a thinker. He, he raised my consciousness when I didn't even know it. As a kid, you grew up and all you want is lollipops and you know, hey, son, what do you want to eat, a burger? Uh, when, when are you going to buy me a new toy? But he always tend to enlighten me to certain things without me really knowing about it until I got to that point where I needed him. You know, there was many of times where I was lonely, and I I would either be in trouble or uh, just lonely, needed somebody to talk to, and I would want to turn around for that split second to get that man's approval or the yes or the no. Now, the loneliness of childhood or... This may be a special case. Um, the loneliness of being misunderstood in your case or feeling as if nobody understands you, sympathizes or empathizes, is that to some extent what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about that. So that if only people understood you or you could make some sort of connection, find people that could really dig what you're saying, then the loneliness would vaporize? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Think it's definitely. always that easy? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, in my adult life, uh, same thing, loneliness. Um, when I found my wife, we were young parents. Um, we've been together a long time. We have four children. And um, she would always want to wonder why I needed that time to be by myself. And it would always be a constant argument. Well, now, I wait think... a sec. Wait a sec. I'm going to be like your dad here, hopefully, and challenge you on some of these. A need to be by yourself is not loneliness. Yeah, I guess not. Um 
That's I you take the kids for a while, and <laughs> I'm going to go take a bath or a walk, and then I'll come back. I'll watch the kids, and then you get away for. A, I mean, you know, four kids. My God. Yeah, I guess that's that's what I'm trying to say. That I uh, looked forward to that time to be by myself. You know, the challenges of being a young parent, um, and just you know to have that that time to relax and. You know, uh, so that's meditate. a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. That, Med- meditate. Not the kids are all teenagers now, and well, we have a four-year-old, but um, you know, sometimes I I still need that time, and my wife is always that. I'm glad I have the support from a really good wife. Um, she will tell me once in a while, why don't you, you know, jump on your motorcycle and take a cruise to the beach? Or, so, what do you think is the most important thing that you've discovered about loneliness and solitude? Um. That uh, makes me a better thinker. Um, don't make any rational uh, decisions. You know, you're able to think things out. You're able to reach deep down inside yourself and not react, you know, to certain things. Um, you know, not being so quick to uh, answer a question when you really haven't thought it through. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way to understand yourself better. Yes, sir. Yes, I, sir. I agree. I think that's very good. Thank you. Thank you. you have and a great congrats day. on four kids. Those are blessings. Oh, they're all a blessing. I know they drive you crazy I'm tomorrow, sometimes. So I'm going to need a five minutes to myself. <laughs> okay, man. Take <laughs> you care. Have a good day. You Thank too. Thank you so much. Off to Santa Monica and Anna, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. It's Intervision. Hi, Anna. Hi. I, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff through bankruptcy and breaking up relationships, and and it just seems like everybody seems to have dropped away in my life. It seems like I've been shined on, and I, I'm not a, I'm not a productive person as other people thought of me before when I had money, and now when I don't have money, they seem to, because I got, you know, so, it was so emotional to just have to let go, and I know that's a gift on some level, but it just feels, I just feel afraid and alone, scared. Yeah. See, that's why I wanted to do this topic. Because if all the afraid, alone people get together, well, we don't have to all get together. I've met some nice people, but I just, and I've gotten, I've, you know, they're just new in my life, and I'm still, I'm still afraid to make new connections because I got so hurt by my boyfriend, uh... and and it was just, I was in business with him and everything. They just hurt. Yeah, they're just really. Really, it felt like it was many lifetimes I'd been with this person, and he just totally let me down. Uh-huh. And I just, and you yet, know. And yet you wouldn't want to spend a lot of quality time with somebody who would do that, would you, anyway? so. No, and especially not now. He yeah. has another woman in his life who's bent on destroying me. Oh, really? Oh, yes. <laughs> How could she do that? Oh, she's tried many different ways aside from physically abusing me, but she's emotionally tortured me and, and all sorts of other things. Well, don't just, answer the phone. I am not. I mean, every <laughs> I, I put it out there, and as of May 1st, she hasn't phoned me once. I think the point that you bring up is one that, again, we can all relate to, which is, in this case, I would say loneliness from a different angle, which is a fear that if I allow myself to reconnect, to love and be loved, right, then I'm going to be hurt again. That's right. Well, if love hurts and not being loved hurts, 
then the only thing that we know is that you're going to hurt either way. So do you want to hurt with love, or would you rather hurt without love? Because you're going to hurt. You know, I, that's that's the big question. I, I went to Ojai and meditated for four days and sat with Catherine Ingram, and it was it, wonderful. It was amazing. And I felt I felt peaceful and quiet, but I was away from my environment. And as soon as I got back here... After 24 hours, all the loneliness came back. Yeah. well, All the fear came back. Maybe you're in the wrong place. You know, maybe you can, go, maybe you could go someplace else or, or change the focus. But here's the, here's the dilemma. Wherever you go, you're going to be there. <laughs> yeah, can I just leave me behind? You? No, no. That's... <laughs> that's Throw myself somewhere nope. in, in, in the universe and nope. out there. <laughs> Sorry, tried that. Didn't work. It's like gum on your shoe. You just can't scrape it off. And, of course, this is the point, that who am I to be loved? Who am I to merit, to be worthy of kindness, thoughtfulness? You see? And yeah. this is the deeper hurt, I would argue. I don't know you. I, I can't make this very personal. But when we respond to heartache by saying, well, I'm just not going to let anybody in then. Uh, if every time I love, I get hurt, then I'm just not going to let anybody go there. But then that hurts. Right. So now we've got this conundrum, this this Hobson's choice of, well, do I do I uh, refuse to love, refuse to risk, or get involved in an intimate way because of the potential for hurt, or do I just suffer the hurt of being disconnected? And I say it's always worth the risk to love and risk being hurt again. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to I'm going to coin a phrase here, borrowing from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who has a famous quote that a mind once expanded by a new idea, now I'm going to change this context a bit, but listen up. Oliver Wendell Holmes said a mind once expanded by a new idea Mm -hmm. never returns to its original shape. Well, what if a heart that is broken that not only expands, but even breaks, never returns to its original shape. A heart that's been broken as it heals has an increased capacity to hold love. Okay. That's why our hearts have to break, because we crystallize them. They become hardened, and they have to break in order okay. for us to grow and be more loving. Look at every loss in your life, whether it's romantic or let's look at the loss of life when people we love die. It's horrible. It's it crushing. Is. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. We feel abandoned. And yet, if we face it, if we're real about it, if we grieve well without ignoring, denying, or pushing away, but allow the tears to come, allow ourselves to sob, allow ourselves to reminisce and remember, uh-huh. and move deeply into the hurt, yep. 
what happens? Your capacity to love, to empathize, to sympathize, to be there then in the future when other people experience loss is greater. Yeah. That's, okay. that's part of, I'm, I would suggest humbly, that may just be part of the design of the universe. Just like the chicken is, or, or, or the duck is not coming out of the egg until it runs out of food and air. That's right. And only when it hurts is it going to break through. And break just, out. Just like my baby kittens tried to get out of their mommy two weeks ago, and I had to save my, make a decision, save my cat and save the kittens, or let them all go at one one minute. So what and happened? I made the, I had to have my cat have a C-section, and that was almost seven hundred dollars, which I didn't have the money for, and somehow I manifested two hundred fifty dollars in in an hour to at least get the cat out and save. Six kittens. And so you have six little kitties running around? No, I only have two. But what happened to the other four? They, they, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. So you got two of the six, and how's mom doing? Mom is fine. She got her first flea bath today. So did kittens. So. Now, how do you put a price on those kittens? What you did was heroic and brave. You made the right decision. You know, I don't think there's a better way you could have spent that money. Of course, it's not my money. It's not for me to say, but it's a beautiful story. I think we lost her. Are you still there, Anna? Yeah, I think we lost her. But, wow, that's a nice story. Look, uh, this stuff is necessary. Life is supposed to be hard. I don't know. Well, I do know. I was going to say, I don't know where we get the idea that it's my life and I ought to be happy all the time and well-adjusted and la, la, la. We get it from advertisers. That's where we get it. It's a crock. It's not even your life. You didn't do anything to fashion it. You didn't get you, You're not here because of any effort on your part. What do you mean your life? We need better words. And that's not just a spiritual concept. I remember the great scientist and engineer, Buckminster Fuller, saying, your life does not belong to you any more than we can own land. There's a joke. Or own property. It's hilarious. It, <laughs> it's a process, your stuff, that is in... That, that, that is part of impermanence. Nothing lasts. All things pass. You want to buy a new car? Fine. But by God, when you drive it off the lot, no, it's already in decay. And eventually we'll be in a landfill. I'm sorry. Every one of my guitars, I would like to think they will all outlive me. And that my guitar collection will last forever and ever because they're all such beautiful guitars. I doubt it. I think, you know... I doubt it. Even the great museums. Do you think that all the beautiful museums and cathedrals of the world will be there forever? I doubt it. Someday the wrecking ball will visit the Louvre. They'll rip it down, the great cathedrals. Or they'll just end up in ruins like the Parthenon or the, the Roman Colosseum or something. People can come or Stonehenge and look at the remains. But hey, it's all in decay. It's all impermanent. 
Got to roll with that a little bit. Back into Los Angeles proper. Michael, you're on KPFK on Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi. Hi, how are you? First time caller. I was just listening to the show. I wanted to kind of follow up on the previous caller's uh, comments in terms of uh, how sometimes you know, that could certainly help you develop, pursue, and achieve goals that you uh, would like to achieve in life. Um, Our theme is loneliness today. I'm sorry? Our theme today is loneliness. Well, I mean, loneliness, uh, that kind of feeds into it because if you're alone for whatever reason, you do feel the loneliness. um, People feel loneliness when they're not alone. We're not talking about being alone. We're talking about loneliness. Well, um, I mean, that's, uh, to me, I, I guess maybe in the back of my mind, I think one could lead to the other, and it just my experience has been uh, being, um, you know, feeling loneliness uh, kind of moved me towards pursuing further education and degrees and pursuing other um, goals in my life that I wanted to do, and, and that see. has been a great deal. So and, you think uh, it's a good thing? It's a, it can be a motivator for you? I mean, if you structure it that way, if you think about it that way, it would, could be um, if you just... Um, you know, you sit down. I, also, I think there's uh, multiple reasons for it to be. I mean, you could feel lonely or be uh, feel that way because of uh, emotional disappointments or things that have happened to you in life, which happens to all of us. And depending on how you perceive that and what you decide to do with that experience, uh, it could lead to better things and certainly to benefit you, uh, or it could really lead to, you know, more destructive uh, path, depending on how you perceive that and how you come out of it. But I also think the uh, I myself was born overseas, and I, I don't know if religion plays into it. I was born in Lebanon. I'm a Muslim, but though that doesn't, uh, you know, in terms of of the life itself, I came to the U.S. I was about 18 years old, and I noticed a big difference in social structure in uh, different countries. And there's a huge difference between the United States, Europe, and the Middle East, whatnot, and the way people perceive each other, interact with one another. And obviously, demanding lifestyle and concentration, emphasis on materialistic things, uh, kind of supports that. And most everyone I know that comes from other countries would complain about loneliness, uh, especially the first few years they're here. And a lot of people would contribute that, attribute it to the uh, structure, you know, the lifestyle and the structure and the social interaction that we're used to. And it's so funny, you could travel to another country and behave totally different, and you come back to the States, and the environment takes you over. You could live in a house for 20 years, not even know your neighbor, or maybe know one of your neighbors. and not. wasn't not always that way here. That's a fairly recent phenomenon of urbanization. I think if you're in a small town out in the Midwest, or even a small town in California, you'd find people to be a lot more friendly and... Well, true. I, I received my undergraduate degree in Texas, uh, in Dallas, and I my graduate was out of Long Beach, so I've lived just about in every spot that traveled the country. Well, it's still and pretty I, big uh, cities, though. I'm talking about right. some dusty little towns someplace. There still are folks out there that care for each other, that, you know, always have time to stand and chat. That lifestyle exists in America, but you'll never know it in New York, L.A., or even Dallas, for that matter. Right, right. I mean, I've been here for over 20 years now, but um, I certainly try to. I need a parting shot. I'm almost out of time. Okay, all right. Thanks a lot. Well, just uh, just want to say that uh, it could lead to a lot of good things, a lot of positive things in your life. Just focus on the good side of it and try to do the best out of it. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Michael. Bye bye. So long. Wish we had more time. Obviously, a hot topic 
You know, a few weeks ago I did uh, a show on panic attacks, and I have one planned coming up soon on uh, post-traumatic stress. What all these topics have to do with what they what they dance around really is anxiety, which is a clinical word for fear. Well, it's the fear that comes not from danger, clear and present danger or imaginary danger, but anxiety is more about confusion at the center of which is the self. Ultimately, when we're lonely, it's it's not the absence of other people. It's the absence of not understanding yourself. I was hoping that we could touch on that. I think we did in a couple of really far out ways. And uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. Because what is more central than understanding yourself? Who is it that's lonely? And why do you think you're lonely? And how much of it is you pushing people away? There's a lot to this. And then again, the exquisite nature of solitude that uh, most people don't know at all. Yeah, bottom line, know yourself. Make it about you. Love yourself. Trust yourself. If you knew you were worthy of love, you wouldn't push it away. You'd be willing to risk it. Okay? Love to hear from you. KPFK.org, the website, the primary resource for you. That'll take you to my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. D'Angelo, as always, thanks for engineering. Brooks for being our producer. Everybody else here at KPFK. My wife, Doreen Key, for all of her help. Keep it on KPFK 90.7 FM 24-7. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. been listening to Intervision on KPFK.